Hi, and welcome to Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, along with Pat Nemers. Once again, here we are talking about the church at war, Ephesians 6. Boom. Oh, probably a poor uh, <laughs> amount of poetic expression to, when you're talking about the church at war, but that is what we're talking Speaking about. Speaking of the war, yeah. 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 So, yeah, this was uh, all about the mind. The The helmet of salvation was the, the topic and um, you really, you really went through three different minds: the corrupt mind, the carnal mind, and the Christ mind, right? Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, we were even talking earlier about beforehand. We pray on Sunday mornings before the services, and that was definitely um, before the messages. You you had talked about the carnal mind was really kind of where you were putting a lot of emphasis, where you'd studied a lot, and and that's really what we want to do even today is is talk about. More specifically, that that um, that mindset, and you got a lot of responses from the message, even on that. Yeah, I did. I mean, we the first part of the message we talked about, you know, what is the helmet of salvation, and uh, of course, the helmet gave the uh, the you know really the key word. The front half of the message was confidence. I mean, this, having that helmet on, so to speak, is uh, is a thing that gave the soldier confidence. When we are confident in our salvation, uh, we have victory over the power of sin in our lives, and uh, we go into our spiritual battles with confidence. And, uh, and our spiritual battles, as we led to the second half of the message, almost all take place, at least beginning, in the mind. Yeah. Quick, quickly, just let's talk about the carnal mind. What are the characteristics of a carnal mind? Because there's probably a lot of people listening to this that would say, I do have the helmet of salvation. I, I did trust Christ when I was younger or, or later on in life, but I think I'm doing pretty good. I, I don't think I'm doing terribly, maybe. Yeah. But what what clarify clarify what is a carnal mind? Yeah. Well, you know, we I did use. I mean, this can become a, a laborious to to use alliteration. You know, so. I did the corrupt mind, the carnal mind, the Christ mind. It seemed to pretty naturally fit, so I used it. Not like people remember that so greatly, but the carnal, the word carnal just means fleshly. That's all it means. It means fleshly. Or, and we would, um, we might say worldly mind. But I don't like the term worldly because people throw that word around and they think somebody's worldly because they do something that they don't. You know, that mm-hmm. that's just pure legalism yeah. is what that is. Worldliness is is being um, having a mindset uh, that's that's of the world. You don't you're not heavenly minded. You're not that Colossians three one person setting your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Mm-hmm. That's a worldly person. Worldly pr- people can be the nicest people in the world. They're just worldly. Uh, but I wouldn't say somebody's worldly because they do something that I don't or whatever. It's really, it's a, it's a mindset. So that is the carnal mind. It's a, uh, first of all, I think we ought to acknowledge that there is such a beast, so to speak, uh, uh, that there is such a person, there is such a Christian. They, I mean, there are some out there who do, do not make room for a carnal Christian to, to, to acknowledge that the Bible says there are carnal Christians is not to give them some excuse to live that way. In fact, I would go so far as to say, and I think I messed it. I said, your mind is a mess. Remember I said that? I think carnal Christians are the most miserable people on the face of the earth. There's nobody more miserable. 
Mm. I know I have a carnal Christian in my mind right now that I'm thinking of. I won't name him or her, but they're miserable because I think they're Christians, but they they're so locked into this world. They're not they they're not heavenly minded at all. They do, they're not glorifying the Lord, but they give other evidence to say that they're actually Christians. So really, Christians who are Christ minded, they're they're happy people, even though they may have lots of difficulties in their lives. The ones with the corrupt mind, the unsaved people, uh, they're okay too. <laughs> they're going to hell, <laughs> but right. they're happy in their sin. The carnal Christian is a person out of sorts, so to speak, spiritually out of sorts. So that makes them just absolutely miserable. So to your question on the characteristics, they are people who who don't think about holy things. They don't, they don't think about God. They don't think about Jesus. They don't think about uh, the brotherhood. Uh, you know, they don't think about helping people. They think about themselves. They're very, they're very, uh, uh, you know, they're very uh, myopic in their in their ways. And um, and it's been said that the only difference between a carnal Christian and and uh, and an unsaved person is one's going to heaven, the other's going to hell. That's a strong statement, but I think there's a lot of truth in it. Yeah, yeah. You said there, you're your mind and thinking is a mess if you're if you have a carnal mind you're defeated confused aimless fruitless and doubt their salvation yep i did i thought those were all those are strong words but yet truthful words and i think if you're listening to this i mean you have to ask yourself those questions if you are defeated confused aimless fruitless and doubt your salvation mhm i mean those those are the key, the key things there. Okay, so let's talk about that. So I, I, I prayed a prayer. I trusted Christ. Whatever you, you, however you want to say that. When I was younger, whoever's listening right now, and I believe I'm a Christian, but man, yeah, you're you're right. I am I am a carnal Christian. What, what's the, what's going on there? Because it's like, okay, well, I I, I believe the gospel for salvation, but I don't believe the gospel for everyday living in a sense. I want salvation, but I kind of want to do my own thing. Six days out of the week, I'll come to church for an hour and then yeah. go back and do my own thing. Yeah. I want God's gifts. I just don't want God. Right. <laughs> so you have every right to, first of all, start. You should start, if you're that person, you should start by questioning whether you're truly a Christian. So I will, while we give room, because the Bible does for a carnal Christian, uh, the Bible doesn't give assurance to people who aren't living for Jesus. I mean, this is why they doubt, you know? And so this is why Second uh, Corinthians 13, verse 5 says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Hmm. Test yourselves. Or do you know, or don't you know that Christ is living in you? That is, unless you fail the test. That's a pretty strong verse right there. So the Apostle Paul is saying to the Corinthians, who, who could be very carnal, you know, he, he even told them, remember he said to them in the first epistle, he said, and I quoted this on Sunday, uh, and I, brethren, so there's your verification that they were Christian, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but rather as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So he's acknowledging that state of being carnal. And he's talking to the Corinthians, and to those same Corinthians, he says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. So it's almost as if Paul is saying, hey, I can't even see your heart, so I, I'm not giving you any guarantee you're saved. So I'd say to everybody out there, you first 
really need to do some serious examination about that commitment, that prayer, whatever it was that you're trusting in, because that's not what's going to save you. Only Jesus can do that. And when Jesus saves, I mean, it's A.W. Tozer just came to my mind. A.W. Tozer said, God never saves those he can't command. Oh man, that's one wow. worth writing down. Yeah. God never saves those he can't command. And so if, uh, if you have refused to follow the Lord's will, you have every reason to doubt your salvation. And so, yeah. So the other thing I would say to that, unless you had a follow-up, cause I, I was going to, I was going to follow up with that a little bit here. Do you want me to keep going? Do you yeah, have go a, ahead. So I, I also alluded to this, but I actually wanted to go to it. I, I remember in the, in the message, I said, one of the reasons you doubt is because you haven't supplemented your faith. Remember yep, that? Yep. And that's out of second Peter chapter one. This is really powerful stuff. And I did not, I did not go to the end of this context. And so this is, this is one of those things I, you know, this is one of those edits I'm picking off the floor here and sharing now, because this is really powerful stuff. So this is where I'm going to read it. Peter says to these individuals, he says, in verse five, 2 Peter 1, for this very reason, that is because you have escaped from the corruption of the world. You've trusted Jesus as your savior. You're, you're, you're born again. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. Then he says, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. Remember we said you're, you're not fruitful uh, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is where it gets really interesting. For whoever, verse nine, lacks these qualities is nearsighted, so nearsighted that he's blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So that's the reason why people doubt. They, they don't really, it's not, it's, it sounds like a memory problem, but it's more and it's much, much deeper than that. But then this is what Peter says. Therefore, brothers, again, he's, he's talking to Christians, but therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these things, you will never fall. So there's that. Peter kind of acts like Paul here a little bit. He's saying, you're saved, but you better make sure you're saved. So that's where I would start. And then if you want to get that assurance, you start building in those character qualities that Peter talks about. If, they, if you really are building those, you'll have assurance. Your helmet, your helmet will be on squarely. Yeah, those are, those are great questions to ask. Now, what if, what if I, <clears throat> I have people in my life that I know, whether relatives, friends, whatever, in, in my community group, and I, and I look at them, and I think... I think, I think they're carnal. How, how do I, how do I go about having that conversation? Do I confront them? Do I say something to them? Do I ask these types of questions? Because man, I'm looking at this person that's around me, and I'm saying there's no fruit. There's no evidence. They they are fearful, doubtful, questioning their salvation. How do you go about that? What's the best way to do that? Well, Abe. Of all people, you know the answer to this. It's all about relationships. If I don't have a relationship with somebody, I have no, uh, I can stand on a soapbox and I do that every Sunday morning. I preach, you know, with, you know, like with a shotgun to, you know, 13 to 1500 people that are here every Sunday, you know, but I don't know where they're at. I know that it applies to a bunch of them. 
I'm not necessarily close to a lot of them. I'm close to many. I get that, that kind of contradicted myself. I am close to many, but I'm not close to all of them. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if I have a relationship with somebody, I mean a real relationship, then I'm responsible to have those kind of conversations. And then I think the answer, I think you, I'm going to turn it back on you. What do you do best in a conversation with somebody when you're trying to get into their heart? Ask a lot of questions. Yeah, that's what you do. And you're really, really good at that. I've learned from you on that. And so that's what I do. If I have a relationship with them, then I do what Abe Miller does. I ask questions. And they're not interrogating type of questions. That's not, and you don't do that. Mm -hmm. But you, and you ask good questions though, that if you have a relationship with them, that'll hopefully get them to start. If they're honest, they'll answer that question, you know, and you start, from the simple to the more complex. I mean, so you're what you're a Christian, right? Well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was 14 years old. You know, yeah. Uh, so do you like do you do you read the Bible? Well, yeah. I mean, do you how often do you read it? Well, I don't read it every day. Okay, I mean that. I mean, you're like most people, but how often do you read? I mean, you just keep asking right. questions, you know, and you find out. Well, okay. Well, when's the last time you read the Bible? Well, okay. It was, I, we were on vacation last year and I read it one day, you know, whatever. So you're basically saying you don't really want to have a relationship with God. Yeah. You know? I remember when you say that asking questions, I remember talking to a guy who he had, he was questioning some things and just kind of going through these questions and he was doubting. And I remember sitting down with him and asking him, how long have, how long have you known Jesus? 35 years. I said, 35 years. <laughs> I said, that's a long time. I said, in the 35 years, like, where have you seen God working, moving in your life? You know, where's the evidence? Yeah. And he looked right at me, and he didn't really have an answer. I said, 35 years, and you don't have a—like that— I mean, that's the question, right, that like—and he, and he, he repented of that. I mean, he, he, that struck him, but I think it's those types of questions that you start to ask yeah. people. Where is the evidence? Yeah. Where is the fruit? Why are you doubting? Where is the joy or the lack of joy— what is that coming from? What you brought up, you know, if you're being disobedient, you're going to lack joy. You're going to have doubts because yeah. you're living a carnal life, you yeah. have a carnal mindset. And then, and I would, since we're in this, into this whole asking question thing, the other thing I would encourage our listeners, if you're having those kind of conversations, you do have to have a relationship. You would agree with that, wouldn't yeah. you? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, if they say, when you ask the question, so wh where have you seen God working in your life in 35 years or 15 years or five years? If they go back to when they first became a Christian, or if they go back 15 years ago to some great experience they've had, that's that just evokes more questions. So your answer was something that happened 15 years ago. I mean, praise the Lord for that. But uh, is I mean, are there any other things happening in your life that were are God moments, answers to prayer, right. opportunities whereby you've had the opportunity to maybe interject the gospel or you know something? Because then you're you're able to draw out whether or not that person's really walking with the Lord or not, and then you you find out if it's real. I mean, Sunday morning I, I had a I had a I had a young man, and when I say young, not super young, uh, but younger than me, <laughs> and you know I'm young. But uh, uh, he uh, after one of the services he came up and he was with his wife and he was just weeping, absolutely weeping. I mean, broken, broken, broken. And these are the first words out of his mouth. I am a carnal man. Mm, wow. That was, it was powerful, very humble. 
And, you know, he repented right there. We prayed together and I'm, I need to check up on him, but boy, that's a great sign of humility to admit that you're a carnal person. Yeah. So that was going to be a question I was going to have too. You know, we, we often talk about repenting for salvation, right? So like you got to repent of your sins, change your mind. Yeah. But you, you, in the message, you said, Hey, if you're a carnal Christian, you need to repent. So what, what does that look like? Even this, this young man who came forward, what does that look like if you are a carnal, if you are a carnal Christian and you would say, yeah, I've been living for myself. I've been living for the world and I do need to repent. That's not, it's not a salvation thing. Right. What is that? Well, it's not a salvation thing, but it is it, because repentance is repentance. You've changed your mind. You're coming back to God. You're asking for forgiveness of your sins. So it can feel like it. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, you've heard the story. Uh, I write about it in my book, uh, wink, wink, uh, but uh, oh, yeah. uh, about our son, John, and who you've mentored. You know, I mean, I had to repent I, I, without even realizing, and really, this is a good illustration of how carnality comes into play. Nobody defects overnight. Defection takes time. You start compromising a little bit here, you know, start looking at, you know, you start looking at a few dirty pictures and then maybe a little bit more. And then I'm watching some video and next thing you know, I'm doing this and, and I'm just, I'm all in. It doesn't happen like overnight and carnality doesn't occur overnight. I think it takes place over time and you, you, before you know it, you're there. And with, with me, my mind, I wouldn't say I was a carnal person, but I had an idol in my life that was, and it was, you know, the salvation of my son. And I'd, I'd it'd really been, become an impediment with me and my walk with God. I had to repent of that. And when I asked God to forgive me, I felt like I'd gotten saved. I mean, it was just, it was, it was almost like it was salvation all over again, even though I didn't get saved. So you still have to repent, be sorry for what you did. And then repentance, real repentance means things start changing. You know, and again, I go back to my own personal experience with my son was he didn't, when I repented, it wasn't like God said, okay, now I'm going to give you your son. You know, he's going to be walking with Jesus. And, and he, in fact, he, (laughs) it got worse. And, and I mean, he was almost put back in jail again, but I had something I hadn't had before. I had peace in the midst of all of that. Mm. It still concerned me. You know, I was still sad for my son and his lack of walking with God. God would eventually get a hold of him and change his heart, but I had to get to a place where I, I was going to love God more than my son. That was my issue. With carnal people, if you make that, if you confess that and you're humble, then your mind should start changing towards, you know, what was it that t- took you into that carnality? Yeah. Uh, I just thought of the scripture. It's the greatest uh, uh, scripture in, the, in all the Bible for turning in these cases. It's Jesus's word to the Ephesians when he said, Remember, he said they, they were really clicking along, but they'd, lo- they'd lost or left their first love. And then he says, remember, repent, and redo. <laughs> remember from where you have fallen. That's a big, this is, yeah. I'm going to come back. Repent, we've already talked about that, and do the first works. He's, he's not telling them to reinvent the wheel. In other words, whatever you were doing before that bore fruit will, do, will work again. But at first, he says, remember from where you have fallen. So, I would say to that person, if you're having conversation, I would say, go back. When did you start going in the wrong direction? There, when, you, when he said, remember from where you have fallen, that's a point of reference. I mean, oh yeah, it's the time I was over at Steve's place and we started looking at pornography and next thing you know, that's what I've been doing ever since. I know I'm using that as an illustration. Yeah. It could be something different for 
you know, for anybody, but I'm, there's a point of reference there. And that's where you start going the opposite direction. You got to go back there. Lord, that's where I screwed up. That's where I fell away from you. That's when I quit spending time with you. That All of that. And uh, I, I, I repent. And then you start reversing the order. Because if, if it worked before, it'll work again. Yeah. I really like that thought of the, it starts, it's small little decisions over time. You know, we, we've talked about being calloused. Yeah. And I think Jason Jackson talked about that at one time in his message about calluses on your hands. They start off, you know, soft yeah. and then it gets every time you it's another layer, another layer, and pretty soon you have a callus, you're not feeling anything. And I think that's yeah, you don't you don't overnight all of a sudden end up where you're at. It's yeah. been small decisions, small quenching the spirit and saying, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. I want to live my own life. I want to go my own way. I want to believe the lies that I'm believing. So I'm going to push that away. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you end up where you're at. I was going to say too, from a follow-up question, what, what's, you know, we've talked about this whole, this whole idea of putting on the armor of God. We've talked about the fiery darts of Satan coming after us and our, and, and then specifically our minds. Where, where is, Today, where is Satan attacking us in our minds? Like, how how is he getting in? Where is it coming from? I I mean, you've got social media, you've got the internet, you've got news, you've got friends. I mean, what what do we have to be aware of? Because Satan wants to use all of those things to speak into us. What do we need to be aware of? What do we need to pray against, even as we pray against temptation? Lord, deliver us from temptation. What yeah, you, okay. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this earlier today uh, during my time in the Word. I, I read this from uh, F.W. Uh, uh, Borham said, you can, always show a, you can always show a stick to be crooked by simply laying a straight one beside it. And I, this is in my study for this week, you know, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, okay? But I'm going to read it again because it's, it's a little uh, archaic. This guy was lived like, long time ago. He said, you can always show a stick to be crooked by simply laying a straight one beside it. So in other words, to answer your question, Abe, I, you could have kept going on and on and on and on. Friends, family, social media, and yeah, social media is, it's driving kids. And yes, it is. Social media is driving depression. Yes, it is. Social media is driving suicide. Yes, it is. I, I'm not going to disagree with any of that. I think it's true. Mm -hmm. And social media is huge on it, but TV, movies, you know, whatever. Politics. Politics. Whatever. And we all get sideways on this. To me, I. I don't struggle so much going through all of those things, social media, uh, television, although it could probably, I, I could probably dial down my television <laughs> viewership. But anyway, uh, uh, but, uh, but, um, but what it is that keeps me from going there and, and finding myself there in that sinful stuff that I'm looking at or hearing about, you know, what am I supposed to do? Just walk away from every friend that uses the F bomb, drops the F bomb. That's stupid. I mean, I need to be around those people if right. I want to win them. Okay. So how do I, what do I do? I, again, here's the quote. You can always show a stick to be crooked by simply laying a straight one beside it. And he was talking about the power of God's word. If God's word, if I'm putting God's word daily in my mind and in my life, and I'm memorizing it and meditating on it, on it, that's, that's the helmet. I mean, that's not, I can't, that stuff isn't, that stuff might get into my head, but it's not staying there. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to go there. I'm not perfect. And I will screw up and I might even sin, have a bad thought here or there, but I don't walk around on 
pins and needles or on eggshells uh, when it comes to all the stuff that could could take me back. And I'm not being presumptuous when I say that. I just know the power of that straight stick, the straight line, the word of God, that that will help you navigate through a lot of crap. And by the way, there's let me throw some scripture in here while you're at it. You know, uh, Philippians 2.15, isn't that what it says? Uh, that we may be blameless, innocent children of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Crooked, stick, illustration. Yeah, I that's pretty that. good. Uh, uh, among whom you shine as lights in this world. So again, John says, be, you know, in the world, not of the world. I mean, the Bible is replete with the fact we've got to be in all of these venues, but the way we keep our mind from going carnal is by ha having a, 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 a strong draft of truth every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I was, I was going to say, I mean, I, we're all a little bit different. Like for me, like I can't be on social media. It's like not good for me. I know yeah. that like in my mind, I not, not just for like inappropriate stuff, but even I can sense my mind. Like I'm, I may be judging mm -hmm. that person or I might be jealous of that person or, you know, why did they put that on there? What was the reason? So like for me personally, I've had to, I've had to just stop social media on any level because it's not, it doesn't help my mind. Right. So that's like, honest. I, I know, I know for me personally, that's where I have to go. Now everyone's different. You, you know, you could be the guy who can, yeah, I can go on social media. It's not a problem. It doesn't affect me because I got my mind protected and all of that. stuff. So, well, before you go, I, I want to affirm what you said and, and that, and so that our listeners know, I'm not saying you should be pell-mell into all those areas. I'm saying if the truth is in you, you can fight against those things. Yeah. But what you're saying is what 1 Timothy 4.16 says, keep a close watch on yourself and to your doctrine, Paul said. So all you're saying is, I know myself, and because I know myself, I'm not spending a lot of time on social media. I think that's wise on your part. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, last question here. So what, just help help the, the person listening who's saying, you know, I— I'm in a bad place. Like I, I'm losing the battle in my mind. I'm struggling. I'm trying. I want to. I'm just struggling. I, I come to church. I'm encouraged for the hour, hour and a half that I'm there. But man, when I walk out of here and go into the real world, like I just get sucked back into it. Like, help me. I don't know what to do. I mean, what what would what would be the encouragement um, to those people who are listening? Uh, I think the answer would be you need help and your help needs to come from God. But it, I think it, I think God's help comes packaged in people. So you got to, it's, if you, maybe you come to church, but are you in a community group, a small group, uh, uh, you know, whatever you call your group and you, are you in a good Bible believing church and do they have small groups? I mean, I just, yesterday, my wife and I FaceTimed, uh, some of our missionaries who are, uh, well, I won't say where they're serving, but, and, um, they're really precious people and they love the Lord deeply. And they, they have, they have benefited from the value. They have benefited from the, the power and the beauty of, of, uh, of small groups here in the States. 
but where they're at, their church is a good church. That is, it preaches the Bible, but they don't have small groups. They have enough people to create them, but they just, they don't see the need. And so you got a whole bunch of individuals out there who come together every Sunday and then just leave and go do their own thing. I mean, to me, that's a recipe for what you're talking about. Somebody who becomes disastrous and defeated and they just don't know what to do. And I, my heart went out to these missionaries that we talked to. Mm. But here, that's not a problem. You, there's no excuse if you're in the United States of America that you're not in a Bible-believing church if you're a Christian. And there's no excuse that you're not, if there, that there's not some level of accountability in a small group. You know, we have that, plus we have our staff because we're all close. And even today, our one of our pastors who led our devotions today talked about the longevity of the pastors that we have. So we know each other. I mean, you and I have known each other for over 20 years. I mean, that's that's a rare thing. And we we, we are blessed. You and I are blessed by yeah. it. I challenge you, you challenge me. And I would say to that person, you need help from God. And God's help often comes wrapped up in his people. And so find his people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a sense of humility too, to, to, yeah. to, to admit I'm not doing well. And I think we, you know, we obviously would say, man, we do want to help. People around you want to help. You but you have to humble yourself. You have to admit I'm struggling. You have to admit there's sin. You have to you have to confess that. You have to repent of that. And yet that's why we're here. Like the guy who came forward I just talked right. about last night. Right. And so you know what I did? Did I tell you what I did with him after uh mm -hmm. okay, so so that I gave an illustration in the message what of of a of a man, a friend of mine, nine years ago. You know who I'm yeah. talking about. Oh. And he was I liked him, but he was just kind of just like a lump on a log, you know. And his wife actually appealed to me. So I took the guy out for lunch and I le I leveled with him. Yeah. And uh, you know, he repented. And that's nine years ago. He's he has served in lots of capacities in our church. He loves people, he serves the body of Christ. He's a Christ-minded man today, and he was in that service for that guy. I came oh, forward. Wow. I put them together. Oh, cool. The one of the last scenes I had in that service was the two of them out in the foyers, foyer talking, him sharing with him why that was such an important thing for him to repent. And now you need to do this. So yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks. This is good stuff. Good conversations. And yeah, make sure to reach out to somebody if you're struggling, have those conversations, yeah. humble yourself. Amen.